You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. If you have a Bible together, faith family, turn to Romans chapter 12. We're back in Romans chapter 12 from last week, kind of, I guess you could say, a little bit of a two-part sermon here in Romans 12 as we prepare our hearts and our minds for what God is going to do through Invite Your One as we have one more week to prepare and invite and pray. A key piece in all of this is going to be prayer because we're working in the spiritual realm. And when we're working in the spiritual realm as we think like missionaries, prayer is a huge part of that. I think of the guy, that his name was George Mueller, and he had an orphanage there in uh, England, and he had orphans throughout his ministry there in that orphanage, and they had hardly any money. And a key piece to that ministry in the 1800s in England was prayer. So as we prepare for Invite Your One next week, and as we continue into ministry together as a faith family, prayer is a key piece of that. So let's be praying and working together as we look to reach our community in our world with the good news of Christ. Last week, we looked at verse 1 of Romans chapter 12, and we began to ask the question, why are we here? Maybe we've asked ourselves that question just in our personal lives. Why are we here? Why do I exist? Why are we here as the church? Because when it comes to the church, and as I said last week, what we kind of do is a little bit odd. It's a little bit strange. There's no other organization that uh, does what we do. Singing like we do, praying like we do, giving like we do. Like Why, why do we do all this? What's, what's the point of all of this? We said last week, for some of us, We're part of a church because we were raised that way. This is what we do on Sundays. I'm guilty of that mindset. I have been in church, honestly, since the point of conception, probably. I was raised in church, and I just grew up with this idea of thinking, this is what I do on Sundays. I go to church. Sometimes we're part of a church because it makes us feel good about ourselves. I've been there. It feels good about ourselves that maybe we did something good to start our week off right. It's like taking that spiritual multivitamin at the beginning of the week, and we took two of those, and now we're ready to get on with our week. For some of us, we're part of a church maybe because we really like the people, and we have good friends that go too. I've been a part of that. Sometimes we can be a part of a church because we think we can maybe earn some kind of brownie points with God and and be counted as a good person because I go to church, therefore I'm good. Perhaps we are a part of a church because we want to serve and to give back. And for some of us, perhaps it's just something for us to do. Or we can come to church to learn about God, to worship Him, and feel connected to God in some way. And these reasons that I gave last week and that I just went back through, these are reasons that at one point in time in my life, I've been a part of the church because of that. And these reasons aren't necessarily bad. These can be good things. 
But when we really begin to break down and boil down, why are we here? Why do we exist as a local church? What is the point of all of this? We went to Romans chapter 12 to discover this, to unpack this together. And last week we saw that as a church, we are here to sacrifice. We are here to die. Maybe not physically. Now, we have brothers and sisters all across the globe that are dying, that they are literally presenting their bodies as a living sacrifice. We see that in the Middle East, in India, all around the world. We see this happening. But we as a church, we are called to sacrifice. And we talked about how last week, we as Americans, we're not very good at sacrifice. We like our comfort. We like our things But we as the church, as God's people, we are called to sacrifice everything but one thing, the gospel. We are called to sacrifice everything but the gospel in order to see the lives changed by Jesus. We as a church, as a local church, we are called to sacrifice everything but the gospel for the sake of the gospel. That means that we are called together as brothers and sisters, we are called to die, to put to death our own wants, our own needs, desires, our own preferences. We must sacrifice them so we can see the lives of people changed by Jesus. And that's why we're doing Invite Your One. It's to move us together as brothers and sisters, to move us together to an attitude and posture of sacrifice. To create a culture within our faith family to sacrifice, to move us to an attitude of sacrifice so people can hear the gospel. For some of us, inviting someone is a huge sacrifice because we're afraid of what people might say, we're afraid of what people might think, we're afraid of rejection. All of us are afraid of rejection to some level or another. So we are called to sacrifice. But the beautiful thing about here in Romans chapter chapter 1 is that the Apostle Paul uses the personal pronoun of brothers and sisters, plural, that we're doing this together. That as we make this sacrifice, as we die to our own wants, needs, desires, and preferences, that we don't do it alone, but the church is a support group for sacrifice. We're here to support one another and encourage one another as we die together. And we do that. So as we continue to work together this next week for Invite Your One, I want us to see now what happens when we die. And again, we're not talking about physically. What happens when we sacrifice that, as Paul says in verse 1, as brothers and sisters, in view of all that God has done for us, as we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is our true worship, or as some translations say, this is our reasonable worship. It's like Paul is saying in verse 1, if you're just reasonable, and we like to think of ourselves as reasonable, if we're just reasonable people, 
we're going to sacrifice. And really the implication of is if we do not sacrifice, we are unreasonable people. So if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12 with me. We're going to start in verse 1. This is page 618 in your pew Bible. If you do not have a Bible, that is our gift to you as a church. If you do not own a Bible, we want that for you to take that home for you. The intention of those Bibles in the pews are not for them to stay there. We want them to be sent out and given away. So if you have a pew Bible and you don't own one of your own, that's our gift to us. And it's on page 618, and I'll be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. And this is what Paul says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God... I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For by the grace giving, given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the, por- the, purport- the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching and teaching, if exhorting and exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. So in verse 1 we saw last week if we are just reasonable people, we are called to sacrifice and that's not fun. That is not fun to sacrifice. It doesn't feel good. But there's a benefit to it. So, you can think in your minds, okay, we're called to sacrifice. Now, what happens when we sacrifice? What happens when we give up? What happens when we're called to die? And when we do die together? Well, first, to sacrifice, Paul tells us it gives us humility. It gives us humbleness. Because again, look in verse 3. He says, verse 3, I tell everyone among you. Remember, Paul's talking to the Roman church. So he's talking to the church. He's talking to people just like you and me. He says, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself or herself Not to think of himself more highly than that you should think. So Paul's calling us to sacrifice. As the church, we're called to sacrifice, but we're also called to humbleness. And here's what's interesting. He said, instead, don't think pridefully, be humble, have a posture of humility. Instead, think sensibly. So now here's what we have going on in this chapter. Paul's kind of talking about our mental state a little bit, okay? He's talking about there's a little bit of psychology involved because we have up in verse 1, he says this is your true worship or some translations say this is your reasonable worship. So we're talking about reason, we're talking about logic. logic. 
And then he says, think sensibly. So as God's people, we are to think reasonably and sensibly. And here's what happens if we are unreasonable, we're unsensible, we're prideful. So if we carry our If our posture together as brothers and sisters is a posture and attitude of pride, Paul is calling that through the inspired word of God that we are unreasonable and unsensible. It makes no sense. Why? Because if we're called to sacrifice, sacrifice implies humility. So there's humility that comes involved, and that is counterculture, isn't it? We, as a culture, are called to be individuals. We are told through our culture to carry ourselves with arrogancy, with judgment. And it says here in Romans 12, no, 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 throw that out. That's an unreasonable, that's an unsensible way to think as a believer. So he says, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly. Because God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. So Paul is saying, here's why we have to be humble. We're all in the same boat. We all have been given a measure of faith. But here's what's happened. Here's what happens in that. As we are humble, as we are humble, we see then that we understand that we're all on the same playing field. No matter our background, no matter our economic status, no matter our race, we are all on the same playing field here. We've all been given a measure of faith. Then what happens here, look again in verse 4. So we move from sacrifice to humility. We move to, humi- we move to unity because he says, now as we we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we move from sacrifice, we're called to sacrifice, which results in humility, which results in unity, which only makes sense. Remember, we're thinking reasonably, we're trying to think sensibly as God's people. So as we have a sacrificial attitude and we have an attitude of humility, that moves us all together in a spirit of unity, where we're sacrificing together, we're working for the same goal. Now, many of you know I'm a sports fan. That's a good thing, maybe a bad thing too. But I think the ultimate team sport is football. That's just my opinion. Take it for whatever it's worth. If you want to argue about that later, I'd be happy to do so and prove you wrong. But I believe football is the ultimate team sport. Why? Let's just think of the offensive side of the ball. You have offensive linemen, right? They're really usually really big guys. If you wanted to play in the NFL on the offensive line, you better be at minimum 300 pounds. If you're not, you can forget about it. So you have these really big guys who have a thankless job of knocking heads with one another, the offensive line, big dudes. Then you have the skill position players. You have the wide receivers. Usually the wide receivers are tall and fast. The NFL draft is coming up on Thursday. Most of you probably don't care. I do. I'm just a geek like that. 
In the NFL draft, if you're looking to draft a wide receiver, you're looking for someone tall and fast. Why? Their job is to run and get by the defense and catch the ball. So an offensive lineman that weighs 300 plus pounds probably is not going to be quick on their feet. So they're not going to make very good offensive linemen. So you want someone tall and fast to be wide receivers. Then you have the running backs. You want running backs to be quick and strong. Quick to get away from people, strong to break tackles. So they have a different skill set. You have a quarterback. Quarterback, he's the guy that has to manage all of this. Fat guys, tall, fast guys, and quick, strong guys. Like, that's his job. He's got to manage all these personalities, all these egos. Everyone wants the ball. All he's got to do, he's got to manage all that. And his job is to throw the ball. Okay? So you want someone who's got a little bit of arm strength to play quarterback. You probably want someone who can throw a football accurately. All of these pieces mesh together for one common goal to do what? Score. To score a touchdown. You have all of these people, different people with different skill sets, all meshed together, 11 dudes meshed together to knock heads and get concussions and CTE together, and that's a whole conversation for another time. All of this together to get together for one common goal, to sacrifice their brains together to score touchdowns. That's what their, that's what their purpose is to do, to sacrifice And good football teams sacrifice their egos. Now, I know NFL players are prima donnas and they have their own issues that they have to work through. But the good teams, they sacrifice, they lay their egos aside and they're a team together for one common goal. Here's what the church is. We're different people. With different backgrounds, different callings different spiritual gifts called together to mesh together with one common goal to leave our egos aside, to sacrifice for the common goal together, to be humble and that it doesn't matter who catches the ball, runs the ball, or throws the ball, or blocks. It doesn't matter. We're there to win, to score together, all together for one common goal. That's the picture of the church. Men, women, boys and girls, different ages, old, young, black, white, all called from different backgrounds, called together to mesh together as one, to make Jesus known to make Jesus non-ignorable. And here's what happens as we move from sacrifice together. We then are called to humility together. And then we have unity together. And then look at verses 7 through 8 and we're done. It says, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it. According to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. I wish Paul said use it again. I just like how he does that. If teaching, in teaching. If if exhorting, in exhortation. If giving, do it with generosity. Leading, with diligence. Showing mercy, with cheerfulness. So we all bring these different gifts to the table. And together, we're made one. So we have sacrifice, we have humility, we have unity, and what do we have at the end of the day? Diversity. 
diversity. See, as God's people, we are called to be diverse. We're not all to look the same. We're not all to have the same spiritual gifts. We're not all to be of the same race. We're not all to have the same spiritual gifts. We're not all to have all the same ideas and preferences. No, there's going to be diversity. And that's a beautiful picture. That's a beautiful picture, but it all starts with sacrifice. We have to die to our own wants, needs, desires, and preferences. And that moves us into a posture of humility, which moves us to an attitude of unity. And at the end of the day, it looks looks and feels different. It's diversity. But it has to start with sacrifice. So faith family, as we think and we pray about Invite Your One next week, here's what can happen. If we can sacrifice maybe what someone might think of us or sacrifice that fear of rejection or sacrifice that time to build the relationship, if we sacrifice that, then there's an invitation made and that sacrifice will then use, will lead to humility. That sacrifice will then lead to unity And that sacrifice will lead to diversity. And faith, family, that is a picture of church health. That is a picture of church health. A healthy church is a sacrificial church, dying to themselves together. A healthy church is a humble church, removing spiritual pride and being is humility, an attitude of humility. A healthy church is, a, is unified because they understand that they must sacrifice and be humble together. And then a healthy church is diverse. But what that must take is all of us together with different skill sets, different abilities, different backgrounds, different races coming together, working to the common goal of making Jesus non-ignorable and having him and letting him change the lives of people as he's changed our lives. Pray with me. God, thank you for your church. Thank you for what you are calling us together as Leewood Church. God, give us the grace to die to ourselves, to sacrifice our own wants, needs, desires, and preferences. God, use that to move us into a posture of humility. Strip away our pride, God. And that as we sacrifice, as we are humble together, that you would move us into a spirit of unity, working to a common goal of seeing you call men and women, old and young, people of all races and backgrounds and ethnicities together to make you known to the ends of the earth. God, as a faith family, we pray that we would get to see that. God, I pray you would bring people from all kinds of 
backgrounds, all kinds of races, all kinds of economic status bring us all together to make you known. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Roxanne's going to play, and I want our time of response to look a little bit different. I want us together to gather together in a heart of prayer. Because if we're going to see happen what takes what what happens here in Romans 12 of sacrifice of unity or of of sacrifice of humility of unity and diversity it's going to take a great movement of God in our hearts and lives God's going to have to change us together so in order for that to happen we need to pray together so here's what I want us to do I want us to Just get together with someone close to you. Maybe it's families. Maybe it's someone you know here. Maybe it's someone that you're sitting close to. And just pray together. Pray that God would move us as a faith family together into a spirit of sacrifice, humility, unity, and diversity. That God would change us, that he would strip away our pride, that he would help us to die to our own wants, needs, desires, and preferences, all for his glory, not ours, not that people would be impressed with us here. That's not the point of this. It's not the point of being the largest church in Kansas City, absolutely not. The point is to make God known, to make Jesus non-ignorable, and so pray. Let's pray together. We need to pray together. Andrew Murray said, any great work of God can be, can be traced back to a kneeling figure, a posture of praise. So let's pray together. Find someone close to you. Let's together as God's people pray. Let's pray that we'll see sacrifice, we'll see humility, we'll see unity, and we'll see diversity here on the corner of 83rd and State Line. Pray together. thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. Change us to be more like Jesus. Reveal to us the inconsistencies in our lives, God. Just just purify us. Make us more like you. Give us the grace to do that. Give us the patience with one another. 
to see that through. But God, you are moving us as a church to honestly an uncomfortable place. You're moving us to that. And so all we ask for your help. As you move us to these in, uh, uncomfortable places in our individual lives and together as a church, give us the grace to sacrifice. Give us the grace to die. Give us the attitude of, that you had of humbleness, of humility. That we may experience unity and that we may see diversity. Use us all from different backgrounds, different gifts, different life experiences. Use us together for your glory. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leawood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com.